He's sovereign. He is the creator of everything, and he's in control, even though our world seems to be spinning out of control often. We learned last week that worship is one of the primary reasons why God created each and every one of us. Even those who don't believe in Jesus or God were created by God for him to be worshipped by, by them to, to hear his voice, hear their voice in worship. So worship is a big deal, I believe, in our relationship with God. Today we're looking at what the, Re- the book of Revelation says about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a quiet member of the Trinity. Now, we tend to get focused more on God the Father and on Jesus Christ because they're more easy to relate to. The Father is our creator. He loves us. He's made himself known to us. Jesus is our Savior. He came into this world. He experienced this world much the way you and I do, and he died for us and rose up again. The Holy Spirit has a much greater role in the life of a Christian than we might realize. We don't really think much about the Holy Spirit. We don't hear much about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is, very simply put, is to guide us. To simply guide us in this world to be close to God, to know God, to hear God. He's to be God's presence in our daily life. That when we begin to do something that maybe offend, might offend God, he, he prompts us to catch ourselves and not do that. He's the overseer of our faith. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about that? He oversees our faith with us in this relationship. And he guides our relationship with God. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 The Bible says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. God, Father, Son, Spirit, he does this. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. He owns us. Have you ever thought about that, that God owns you as a follower of Jesus? He does. He owns you. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Amen? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Amen? Yeah, it's, to me it sounds great. I shouldn't be the only one shouting this morning. You can relax. This is church. It's okay. All right? Yeah. That sounds great to me. The, the idea that I have a deposit in me guaranteeing my place in heaven. Guaranteeing my position in heaven with God. That someday I'll get to see God. Which to me is something that, that is a great yearning. I want to see God, don't you? Amen. Yeah, amen. Understanding and explaining the Trinity, which is kind of what I just talked a little bit about. That's kind of hard to do, Father, Son, Spirit. It's difficult to understand. How can three actually be one? Well, there is no perfect human analogy or example or explanation. We can't fully explain the Trinity. God is three in one. In the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit is described as the seven spirits of God. Now, I'm not a numerologist. I'm not into that. Some people are. Some people really count things in the Bible, and and they add things up, and they do all this stuff. It's called numerology. It's a study of numbers in the Bible. But the number seven in the Bible signifies completeness. It means completeness. So when you see seven, you're seeing something that is complete in and of itself. There's no need to add anything to it or take away from it. It is complete. So the seven spirits of God signifies the fullness of God, the completeness of God. All that God is is there in those seven spirits. And like Jesus, like Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit completes God in character and in being. For God to be one, he has to be the three, and by being the three, he becomes Almighty One. And it's hard to explain. It's a mystery. And we shouldn't talk about it to people who don't go to church or read the Bible at first because it is a mystery. We need to understand some things. 
And in the Old Testament, an angel appeared to a man named Zechariah, and he gave that man a vision of the Holy Spirit. He let the Holy He let that man see the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah four, verse one, Zechariah is telling about this afterwards. He says, "The angel who talked with me returned and walked with me, or wakened me. I'm sorry, wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep." He asked me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. That angel revealed the Holy Spirit in a vision to Zechariah. Zechariah saw what the Holy Spirit is like. He, the only way he could describe the Holy Spirit was like a lampstand with seven lights. Again, the perfection, the completion, the completeness of God. Then the angel reminded Zechariah that God had already told him something, that God works through the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, the angel says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. But by the Spirit, that's how God works, is through the Spirit. He still exerts his might, he still reveals his power, but he works through the Holy Spirit. That's why we sing songs about the Holy Spirit. That's why we should pray in the Holy Spirit's name, too. Whenever God has been worshipped, whether in the tabernacle or the temple in Jerusalem or in heaven right now, wherever the church gathers like here this morning, the Holy Spirit is always present. So right now, even though we can't see him, can't touch him, can't feel him, but we can know him, the Holy Spirit is right here with us. Amen. Amen. He is. Jesus said, wherever two or more gather in my name, I'm there. And so the Holy Spirit is here with us this morning, leading us in worship. Every Sunday we gather at 1045 in this room to sing songs, to give offerings, to pray, to listen to a message, to let God speak. The Holy Spirit is here. We should come in here seeking the Holy Spirit, speaking to the Holy Spirit, asking him to speak to us prayerfully. On your outline, point number one, in Revelation, the Holy Spirit is shown to be the Holy Revealer. He is the Holy Revealer. Look at chapter 1, verse 4 of Revelation. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Revealer. In the tabernacle, during the desert wandering, in the, temper, in the temple of Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit's presence with presence was always symbolized by the menorah, the seven-branched lampstand. The lampstand was kept burning all the time. They could not ever let it burn out. They had to keep it burning all the time. They had to keep feeding it more and more oil to keep it burning. And that light from the lampstand in the tabernacle and in the temple symbolized the revealing of God's light, the revealing of God himself, of his glory. So the Holy Spirit's role is to reveal God to our world around us. Have you ever thought about that? How much, how hard the Holy Spirit must be working to reveal God. In John 16, verse 8, Jesus said this. He said the Holy Spirit would reveal God to the world personally. He said when he comes, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, Jesus said, in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit has come, and he reveals to the world around us God in his righteousness, in his judgment of our sin. He reveals to the world 
the world's sin. Now, the world doesn't like that. I understand that. I didn't like it for a time. I didn't want anyone speaking to me about my life and how I lived. The decisions I made and the mistakes that I made, I didn't want to hear about that, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. And we should leave that work, for the most part, to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. You can see, the conviction of the sin is not a bad thing. Now, the world doesn't like that. It says, now leave me alone. My life is my life. I've made these decisions. I'm living this way. Sin is not a bad thing. So conviction of sin is not a bad thing. Without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, people would never seek God. They wouldn't. They would just go on their happy life, like many of them are. And without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, people would not turn to Christ for forgiveness of sin or for salvation. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples the Holy Spirit would come and speak to them, to us, to the church. In John 14, 26, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Wow. See how much we need the Holy Spirit? We desperately need the Holy Spirit today. We desperately need the Holy Spirit today in our personal lives. As we study the Bible, as we read the Bible in the morning or in the evening, whenever we do, as we listen to Christian music on the radio or, or off of CDs or whatever, as we're, in, as we're pouring these spiritual things into us and we're facing the world, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to comfort us, to lead us, to remind us of everything Jesus said. Because there's all this stuff the world's chucking at us all the time. And we need something to be a barrier, something to, to put up. And the Holy Spirit gives us that. Gives us Jesus' words. Yeah. What did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. And many, many other things. He said, uh, leave your sin, didn't he? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit comes and he reminds us of all of this. He reminds us of wherever we go. He speaks to us. The Holy Spirit reveals to unbelievers their sin. He reminds the followers of Jesus what Jesus said while on earth. So the Holy Spirit reveals God to us by being with us. By being with us. Have you ever been in a situation of stress or fear and all of a sudden calm just come over you? Have you ever been in that? Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. To calm you down in the midst of something that's not very comfortable. It's fearful, some sort of threat. Maybe the idea of a loved one in a nursing home or a, or a hospital, something like that. If you're having a difficult time understanding what's going on in your life today, if you don't know how to deal with what's going on, an issue or a person or whatever, ask the Holy Spirit to re reveal God's will to you. Now, listen, he'll do this, but you have to be ready to accept it when he does. Some things... The Holy Spirit tells us is contrary to our own thinking and our own desires and wishes. And we have to surrender the leading of the Holy Spirit too, just as we have to to Christ. The Holy Spirit will reveal God to the world, to us. Number two, the Holy Spirit always works with Jesus. The Holy Spirit always works with Jesus. Go to chapter 3 and look at verse 1. Jesus is speaking to John. He says, To the angel of the church of Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The Holy Spirit always works with Jesus. The Holy Spirit never contradicts what Jesus taught. He never contradicts the word of God in any part, in any way. He works with Jesus. 
Jesus told John to write letters to the seven churches of Revelation. You can read about them later. I would encourage you to go do that. These seven churches represent the universal church in all places and all times. So right now, in, in, in Lawrence, Kansas, there's probably an example of any of these churches right here in Lawrence, Kansas. They're all around the world. The church of, uh, of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, the church at, at uh, Pegamon, wherever, Permian, wherever. All these different churches are represented in the world today. They're the church universal, and they all have struggles, difficulties, weaknesses, and strengths. So these churches represent the, the church on earth. These letters are both warnings. They warn the churches. They also are words of encouragement for churches that are struggling. And Jesus said in Revelation 3, verse 1, look at it. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is holding the seven spirits of God? Is he confining the Holy Spirit from doing his job? No. Is he restraining the Holy Spirit from going out in the world? No. This is how the Holy Spirit operates in the world. He works in partnership with Jesus. They work together. Think of it this way. God the Father is seated on the throne. He's the author of creation. He created everything. He sits around on the throne and looks at his creation and manages it. Jesus' work on earth is finished. He came into this world to die for the world, for the sins of the world, to show God's love. And he rose up to overcome sin and death and Satan. And so now he's in heaven with the Father. He's standing there next to the Father. And the Holy Spirit now is at work on earth. He's at work on earth, revealing to this world. He operates in this world, revealing who God is, convicting people of their sin, and leading people to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That's what he does. I remember when I began to have a sense of, uh, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit leading me. I had a sense that God was saying, I want you to give your life to Christ. Ann and I were young, married. We had a, one daughter and another daughter on the way. And I sat in my truck and I talked to God the best I could in my own way, my faltering way. I didn't know the Holy Spirit was leading me to do that, but he was. He was guiding me. He was convicting my sin even then. I knew I was a sinner. He was revealing God to me slowly, convicted me of my sin quite harshly, and he was leading me to eventually accept Christ as my Savior and Lord. That's what he does. That's what I want to see him doing in people's lives all over Lawrence, Kansas. I want to be part of that, don't you? I want to see people come to saving faith. A lot of people come to saving faith. Seven times in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How many of y'all got an ear? Amen? Anybody got an ear? Anybody got an ear? Gary Laughlin, you have an ear. You got two of them. Wow. Doubly blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we don't listen, though, do we? I think Gary does, but I mean, I'm talking more about me than Gary. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to listen. We need to slow ourselves down. We need to shut the world out. We need to let the Spirit speak like he spoke to the churches. You know, here's something I've kind of talked a little bit about the last several weeks. We want to see America change, don't we? We want to see America change. We want to see God working in America. We want to see people's lives change, right, by the gospel, by Jesus Christ. It will not happen through a politician. 
It will not happen by a political party. It's not going to happen because what they do in Topeka, Kansas or Washington, D.C. It certainly won't happen by the law because we've got lots of laws and lots of people breaking them. It's not going to happen by the law. It's only going to happen by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. It'll only happen that way. Four times in the book of Revelation, Jesus said this. He, or John said he saw, he said he heard, I'm sorry, that he was in the Spirit, meaning he was worshiping God. And each time, because he was in the Spirit, he was shown another vision. And each time he could hear Jesus speaking. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was right there with him. Remember, John is a prisoner here in Revelation. He's a prisoner on an island in a cave by himself for, for the most part. He's a prisoner of the government. And all he has is God. He doesn't have any political party. He doesn't have any power. He has nothing but God. And he gets to see this tremendous vision of God's plan for the future of this, of this world. And in here we see people coming to saving faith because of what God's doing. I want to see that happen in the Lord's, don't you? Amen. Amen. And just to make things a little bit more complicated in Revelation, as if they're not already way over our head, Revelation shows the Holy Spirit is always with God. Not only he's on earth, he's also with God. Go to four, chapter four, verse four and five. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones. Seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. And before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Remember what I said earlier. The seven symbolizes the completeness of God, the fullness of God. All that God is, is there. The Holy Spirit is always with God. This is amazing when we stop to think about this. So while the Holy Spirit is always present with God's people on earth, and he is, he said he is, right? The Bible says he's with us. He is also in heaven with the Father. Heaven is made holy by the presence of God in all his completeness. That's why heaven is holy, because God made it holy, because all that he is is there. Now, we might ask this question, how can God be in different places at the same time? How can he be spread out all over the universe in the same time and still be sitting on the throne of God or throne of heaven? God doesn't operate in time and space the way you and I do. I'm not a scientific person. That's about as far as I can go on the scientific explanation of it all. But he doesn't operate in time and space the way you and I do. We are finite. We are limited. God is not limited in any way. He doesn't even see time and space the way you and I do. He is the creator of time and space. So he has this ability to be everywhere and be at the one place at the one time. God has that power and ability to be everywhere because he is God. He alone is God. He is one, but yet he's three in that one. And the, this trinity is, by the way, a core doctrine of the church, almost from the very beginning. Not quite, but almost. The church has worked this out years and years ago, centuries ago, understanding God in his three persons. Now, trinity is, is a, as a word is not in the Bible. The concept is. The concept is, you see all three of them speaking at different times in the Bible. You can read about that. And so the Holy Spirit is sent to strengthen and preserve every person who believes in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and your faith is weak, the Holy Spirit is trying to strengthen you right now. 
That's what he does. He does that for all of us. He does that for me. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all partners in the work of salvation. God the Father is the Creator, sent the Son, the Savior, who saves, who sends the Holy Spirit, who guarantees and seals and secures. All three are involved in the work of salvation. Salvation is a great thing. It's underrated. It's not talked about enough in the church, I'm afraid. I need to talk more about it myself. Salvation is, is a great thing. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. Ever. But there is a warning in the Bible. And this warning is very serious. It's in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, where God said, My spirit will not contend with man forever. God will not contend with this world forever. God is patient. He is long-suffering and patient. He doesn't want anyone to suffer an eternity of condemnation and judgment, but even God's patience and love has a limit. And we need to understand that. And our world needs to hear this. Not in a condemning way, but a warning way, a way of saying, hey, come to the Spirit now, come to Christ now. Because, see, there's still time for people to be saved, right? Yeah, amen. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why the Spirit is here, here today, still here today, and will be until he's called away. That's why John said that he saw the door of heaven wide open, because God still wants to save people. But someday God is going to call his Spirit out of this world, and when that happens, God's judgment will come, and it will be final on this world. It will be done. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7, here's the warning. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. Do we not see sin at work today in our world? Do we not see wickedness today? Amen. It is all over our world. It, it almost rains. It almost. It doesn't quite. The secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. He will speak and defeat the evil one. And he'll just be destroyed by the splendor of Christ's coming. Jesus will just simply speak. I don't know what that word's going to be. I can think, enough or stop. I can see one word coming out of Christ's mouth. And Satan is totally, utterly, completely destroyed. One word. Think how much the world would be or could be if Satan was not, not restrained. Think of what Satan could do in this world if he wasn't held back by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. Amen? He's holding back the evil one. He's restraining his demons from doing even worse things. And finally, number four this morning, the Holy Spirit also works through the church. I love this part. I wanted us to talk about this this morning. The Holy Spirit also works through the church. Guess what? You're the church, right? You and I, us, together, we're the church. Yeah. Go to Revelation 22, verse 17. I'm going to read verse 16 because it's Jesus. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water alive. 
The Holy Spirit also works through the church. One of the greatest issues that seems to be suffering Christians today in our world is a part of the doctrine of salvation. Did God choose certain people to be saved and the rest are condemned and damned to be spend eternity in hell? Are they created to be objects of God's wrath and judgment, examples of his just judgment? Or what? Now, there's lots of different agree. There's not a lot of a, there's not universal agreement on this, but here's my take on this from reading the Bible. I think a basic reading of the Bible for me is that God loves every person. He's their creator. He created every person, no matter who they are or what they've done. He's still their creator. He made them. And he wants all people to know him and experience his love. It's why God sent his son. And while many people reject God and reject his gift of grace, Revelation 22, 17 shows us that God's grace is still available to everybody. Look again at verse 17. At just at the beginning, the spirit and the bride says what? The spirit and the bride says, the spirit and the bride says, come on, help me now. Come. Who are we talking to? We're talking to the world. We're talking to unbelieving family members, friends, co-workers, fellow students, whoever, neighbors. We're saying, come, come to Christ. The Holy Spirit works through the church, or at least he wants to. He works to offer God's grace to the world. Think about that. We can reach the world in some way. It's amazing to me. First, we need to reach the world locally through Lawrence, Kansas, through our neighborhoods, through our relationships, then spreading out to the world. We do this already as a church. We do it through the cooperative program. We give money to send missionaries all around the world, all across America. We do it through Lottie Moon. We do it through Viola Webb, all these mission offerings that we have. And we send people out. But we need to go out too. We need to let God use us. We need to let the Holy Spirit work through us. That's what Jesus wanted, by the way. Just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus told his disciples in the church in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus wants from his church, for us to be his witnesses. Looking around the sanctuary today, I can still see some empty seats, can't you? I can see a whole pew right up here at the front, empty. I can see empty seats. The only way to fill those seats is to let the Holy Spirit work through us. We've got to do this. Some things I want to do this summer, during the spring and summer, is we've got a case of Bibles. I want to go out through Lawrence, and I want to hand out Bibles, just free Bibles. They're large print Bibles. You can read them. They're very easy. I need some people to help do that. There's only 20 Bibles. That wouldn't take very long. Inside the Bible will be a map, a letter from the church, and a, and a Bible brochure that tells about Jesus. The, que the question on the track is, who is Jesus? And it's a very simple track, explains who Jesus is to people. Just hand them a free Bible, say, hey, we'd like to give you this. Another thing I'd like to do this summer, through this, when it gets hot, we have a lot of bottles of water, and we put church labels on there, and we have uh, some tracks that go with them as well. Hand those bottles of water out to people. So they, they can have something to drink, but also have a track about the living water that Jesus talks about. That can be eternal life, that can lead to eternal life. We need help with that as well. I hope you'll help me do that. Um, you have plenty of time to know when we're going to do that. So uh, 
Keep that in mind. Pray for that. Ask God to use those Bibles, use those bottles of water this summer to really send the word out. Because we're not just going to go hand out a bottle of water. They're going to get a brochure that talks about Jesus too. And a brochure about the church as well. We've got to let God work through us. We've got to let the Holy Spirit use us. If we do that, Jesus said we would, we would experience the power of God. He would, and we will. The Holy Spirit will lead unbelievers through what we do if we do it in the Spirit of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. Amen? Yeah, amen. Our invitation song today is The Savior is Waiting. If you'll take one step toward the Savior, my friend, it goes, you'll find his arms open wide. Receive him in all, your darkness will end. Amen. Doesn't that sound good? Our world needs that. Let's stand and pray as we get ready to sing. Maybe today you need to make a decision to follow God closer. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Join the church. Maybe come to Christ. Maybe you've been thinking about that. Maybe God has been leading you to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ Day. I'm at the front. I'll be glad to help you do that if you'd like to come up. If you want to meet with me afterwards, I'll be glad to meet with you afterwards. Let's pray. Father, this